Welcome to the I Am Persuaded podcast with Travis Shelton. Our desire is to provide weekly encouragement and biblical truths so that you too can be persuaded that He is able. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Now, let's hear what Pastor Travis has to say. Welcome to the I Am Persuaded podcast. It has been a while since I have posted an episode right at a month or a little over by the time this episode will go live. And uh, I just took the month of December off, spent it with family, and um, just didn't record. I did have a couple episodes I was planning on putting out during the month of December, but then I just didn't get around to it. And so I apologize for that, but I did uh, just take the month off. And so now in January, we should start back with the schedule every other week. And I'm looking forward to that. Uh, today, I want to talk about just John chapter 1 and the first five verses. Um, this is Jesus before cre- the creation of the world. This is Jesus before he ever was born of the Virgin Mary and before he ever came to earth to save us from our sins. And so as we go through this podcast and here in a few minutes, I'm going to pose a couple of questions that I want to answer through this text. And I think it's just very Uh, just interesting to look at Jesus's life before he actually came to earth. Oftentimes when we talk about Jesus, we talk about his earthly ministry. We talk about him living 33 years on the earth, walking and talking, performing miracles, seeking and saving those that were lost and working with his disciples. Then we talk about him ascending to the Father, him currently seated at the right hand, awaiting the rapture, the tribulation, the second coming of Jesus and all that's going to take place in the future. But not often do we look at Jesus's life before the birth 2,000 years ago. And it's very interesting to know that Jesus existed before the manger. Jesus existed before his physical birth. And so before we dive into that specifically, I wanted to understand the meaning of John's gospel. John's gospel is the only gospel that is not in the synoptic gospels. The synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in each of those, you read a lot of the same stories and miracles and events, but you'll get them from a different angle or a different viewpoint because you have a different author. And so Luke might draw something out of a story that Matthew did not. But for the most part, you have a lot of similarities between Matthew, Mark, and Luke, just told by a different author. And some point out different parts of the story that was not otherwise written in the previous gospel. John's gospel shares with us a lot of fresh information that is vital to our salvation. He also shares with us a lot of fresh information uh, that is crucial to the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. In fact, John actually writes in chapter 20, that's his thesis, typically in a paper, we would include our thesis statement in the beginning. But John includes his thesis statement at the in, near the end of the book, and he writes in John chapter 20, verses 31, 30 and 31, he says this, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, the whole book is written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through him. So John writes this whole gospel, this whole account, his whole book with one prayer so that his readers might see a fresh glimpse of Jesus and believe on him and his name for salvation. So here's the truth. Words carry great meaning. Words have the power to uplift Words also have the power to tear down. And so if you've been in life, whether it's school, a job, uh, just with family, you've probably experienced numerous amounts of times firsthand that words can hurt. But here in John chapter 1, verse 1, we're going to see the word is the most powerful force 
in the world. And I'm not spo- I'm not speaking about verbal words that you and I will speak. I'm talking about the word, which is just another name for Jesus given in the New Testament. The way John describes Jesus here is simply amazing. So let's read the first five verses of John chapter one, and then we'll dive into these few verses. The Bible says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. So that's the first five verses of John chapter 1, his gospel, of him diving in and giving us a fresh glimpse of Jesus. So The first thing I want to pull out is we need to look and understand the preexistence of Jesus, Jesus' preexistence. So I want to start off with asking two questions that, I will, that will be answered, I believe, through this text. The first one will be this, did Jesus exist before his birth 2,000 years ago? The second one is this, was Jesus created? So did Jesus exist before his birth 2,000 years ago? And the second one being, was Jesus created? John in verses 1 through 2 is going to give us a unique look at Jesus Christ, one that you might have heard before or you might not have ever heard before about Jesus. But nevertheless, these five verses are vital to our Christian faith, a vital doctrine to what we believe as Christians. The first verse is one of the most heavily debated verses in all of Scripture, I would believe. Jehovah Witnesses, and some of you, uh, you might be a Jehovah's Witness, you might know a Jehovah's Witness, but they have their own, and I believe, false translation of Scripture that makes these verses read completely different. However, John, when he was penning this verse in the original language, some probably 1,500, 2,000 years ago, whenever that was, uh, he writes uniquely about Jesus Christ. So under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he bears some fascinating truths about Jesus. So let's look at the first clause in this verse. He says, in the beginning was the word. This chapter starts off a lot like Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, where that verse says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. First off, there is someone called the Word in John chapter 1, verse 1. Who would that be? It's none other than Jesus Christ. The Greek word here in John chapter 1 for word is logos which is a very powerful word given to Jesus. The word of God is single-handedly the most powerful force in the universe. In fact, the very word of God is what created the universe. So Jesus is the word of God. Jesus reveals God's mind. Jesus expresses God's will. Jesus displays God's perfection. Jesus exposes God's heart. Jesus being the word is vital to how we understand and what we believe in Christianity and the whole narrative of scripture rather. So however, knowing who John is talking about, this first clause, this first phrase gives us some vital information regarding Jesus. So to answer the first of the two questions I ask you, did Jesus exist before his birth? Here we have our answer. In the beginning was the word. So let's translate that. In the beginning was the logos. In the beginning was Jesus. This phrase, in the beginning, implies the beginning before the beginning of the world. And so, a lot of times when you and I think about the beginning of something, everything that we know and have had a starting point. I mean, our car has a manufacturer. Our house had a a carpenter and a builder. And so, everything that we know and have had a starting point, including us. We were born, and that was our starting point. 
But John implies here, Jesus was around before the world ever began. And so when we think about the beginning, we think about Genesis 1, where Jesus created or God created everything that we can see and know, and he created man. And so we think about that being the beginning, but that's not exactly what scripture teaches. God has always existed. God did not have a starting point. Therefore, if Jesus is God, he did not have a starting point either. And so you find here before the world was ever created, before light was ever spoken into existence, Jesus existed. So to answer that question, did Jesus exist before his birth 2,000 years ago? Yes, Jesus existed before his birth. So then the question might arise, what was he doing before the world was created? To answer it honestly, I don't know all the details, but this verse gives us some insight. John writes, and the word was with God and the Lagos, and Jesus was with God, stating that God and the Son have always existed together. There's never been a time when Jesus existed, but God did not. There's never been a time when God the Father existed, but Jesus did not. So stating that God and the Son have always existed together, they have always been together. And so the English wording here does not give us the best picture, but the Greek wording paints us a picture of God and Jesus standing face to face in perfect fellowship. Nothing could separate the two. So before the world was created, God Jesus and the Holy Spirit were in complete fellowship with one another. You can imagine on your wedding day, you were standing face to face with your husband or your wife before the pastor says you may kiss the bride. That was for all of eternity. They were face to face in perfect, complete fellowship with one another. Then John adds one more bit of truth about Jesus that again is vital to our salvation. He makes this statement, and the word was God. So, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, face to face, but then he adds this last clause, this last phrase, and the Word was God. Here's where a lot of people attempt to misinterpret this verse. Jehovah Witnesses believe that Jesus was not God. He was a little g God to them. They believe he was a person, but he was not deity. However, what does John say? The Word, capital W, Lagos, Jesus, was God. God, capital G. Jesus being deity is so important to our salvation. If he were not God, he could not have saved us from our sins. If he were not God, he could not have risen from the dead. If he were not God, he could not have paid for all of our sins with his blood. So for people to attempt to distort this teaching does away with the doctrine of our salvation altogether. Jesus had to be fully man, but at the same time, he had to be fully God. So Jesus is and always has been and always will be completely God in his deity. Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit, all three make up the Godhead. Jesus is God, the Spirit is God, and the Father is God. But Jesus is not the Father, the Spirit is not the Son, and the Son is not the Spirit. And so they each have their own individual roles inside of the Trinity, inside of the Godhead, but they're all God. They all are deity. And John makes that vitally clear that Jesus is God and that he has always existed. Jesus did not just begin 2,000 years ago. He has always existed, and here it is. He always will exist for all of eternity. 
You can remember as a kid, I know I would do this. If we would want something or we'd be arguing with somebody, we would say, you know, I love you or I need this or something times infinity. And as kids, in my mind, that was, hey, nothing can beat infinity. That lasts forever and forever and forever. Well, here's the truth. Jesus is eternal, meaning he never began and he will never end. Jesus has always existed since before the creation of the world. There was Jesus. He has always existed. The second thing I want us to look at is something you might not have heard before, but it's Jesus the creator. So Jesus pre-existed before his birth, but also Jesus, while he was existing before the creation of the world, when it was time to create the world, he aided in creating the world. In fact, he did create the world. So verse 3 bears a very interesting teaching. Let's read it together. It says, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Let me read that again. All things were made by him, Jesus, and without him, Jesus, was not anything made that was made. So one that quite honestly, this is a teaching that is not quite honestly taught all that often about Jesus before his birth, and especially Jesus being the creator. Well, we just found out in the first two verses that Jesus was in fact present at creation, but in verse 3, it teaches us that he was the creator of creation. Some might be thinking, well, I thought God was the creator because Genesis 1 says God created the heaven and the earth. Is there a contradiction here? Absolutely not. That is true. But also we find that Jesus is the one that created everything that God thought up. You see, God the Father was like the blueprint designer. So when you go to build a house, You'll come to your carpenter or you'll come to the guy the, that's going to build the house with blueprints and say, here's what we need built. So God the Father thought up everything that he designed. He created the plans for the world and for creation, but he did not speak them into existence. Jesus did. Because who's the word? Jesus is the word. The son did. We find here that Jesus is the word. And what is it in Genesis 1 and 2 that created everything? And God said, Jesus being fully deity, he is God. So the very words of God, the verse says, God said, let there be, and there was, there was light, there was earth, there was trees, there was man. So if Jesus is the word, and he is, according to John 1, the world was created with the word of God. Then Jesus is the one that created the world. Because again, verse 3, all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So if Jesus is the word, he is. The world was created by the word, which is Jesus. That teaching is vital again to us because it proves the eternality of Jesus Christ. And then look how John words all things. He says in verse number three, all things were made by him. Then he goes on to say, without him was not anything made that was made. If Jesus would not have spoken everything into existence, John writes it like this, nothing would have been created. Therefore, Jesus is the creator of all things. That's what the first two words of the verse three says. All things were created by him. The him is referring to Jesus. And so that's the same thing with our salvation. So in creation, God had the plan. Jesus spoke it in the spirit. It says there in Genesis early on that he was hovering over uh, the creation, protecting it. That's our salvation experience as well. It says in Ephesians chapter one, that before the foundation of the world, God chose us to be in Christ. So again, God's plan was salvation. 
But who came to earth to fulfill salvation? Jesus, the Son, the Word. He came to put into place what the Father had thought up. So Jesus willingly came to die upon the cross for our sins. Then Ephesians chapter 1 also goes on to say, the Spirit seals us, protects us until the day of redemption. And so the last thing I want to look at from this chapter is the incarnation of Jesus. So now John flips to why will Jesus come to earth or why did Jesus come to earth 2,000 years ago? Remember back in verse 1, Jesus, Jesus and God the Father have always been together. They have never been separated. And so here you see what sin does or what darkness done or what darkness does rather as John calls it. Sin separates us from fellowship with God. In the garden, mankind was in perfect fellowship with God until rebellion and sin ruined that fellowship. So for Jesus to be the substitute for us, he had to, for him to die for our sin, he would have to, for a short time, be separated from his father. When he was born, that was the first time ever they had not been face-to-face. Now, in fellowship, they were not broken. They still had complete and perfect fellowship. And so, yes, at his birth, they still had the fellowship with one another. But then on the cross, God, for a short time, had to separate himself from Jesus because Jesus had to become sin for us. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. For he, God the Father hath made him, Jesus the Son, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So when Jesus would come to earth, he would come to bring life. Look what verse 4 says, or listen to what verse 4 says. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And so a common theme, if you read the whole Gospel of John, is light and life. In Jesus, he is the light of the world. He is the giver of eternal life. And so you see, because of our sin, Scripture's clear, Ephesians 2, we were dead. Romans speaks on it. We were dead. But apart from Jesus, we are dead. And Ephesians is clear on that. Romans is clear on that. We were lifeless, breathless. In our sin, we needed someone that would come to give us life. That is Jesus. In Jesus dwells all eternal life, life that can be given to us as sinners so that we can live forever. That's verse four. In him was life and the life was the light of men. So this life that Jesus is bringing to earth 2000 years ago is life for us to live with him forever. The truth of scripture is in our sin, we're in darkness on our way to hell for all of eternity. And we desperately needed the light of the gospel to shine on our sinful situation so that we could live with him forever. His light shines in darkness, shines to everyone that is living in darkness. And so you see as you read on at the end of John chapter 19, Jesus has been placed on the cross. He has been beaten. He's been mocked. He's been hung on the cross. And darkness has passed over the earth. He has died. He's he's been placed in a grave, and if the book were to end with John chapter 19, we would be doomed, hopeless, without any remedy. And Jesus would not be God because he did not resurrect and he was not deity. But the last phrase of verse 5, look at this, or listen to this. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. And so, The darkness comprehendeth it not. The Greek wording here actually says the darkness could not overcome him. I love that. The darkness 
could not overcome him. Meaning because, verse 4, Jesus is life, he could not stay dead. In him dwells all eternal life. Therefore, he could not remain in the grave. And through the darkness, sin, they thought they had won. Satan thought he had won. John chapter 20 comes. And three days later, Jesus in all of his life and light burst out of the grave, declaring victory over all of our sin. So you see, Jesus has always been, but he did not have to humble himself and come to earth and be born. He certainly did not have to die and take upon himself the sin debt of all of mankind. He could have been just as much God and just as much light and just as much life to kick us into hell and give us what we truly deserve. That's what we deserve. But because he had such a love for us, he was willing to leave face to face with the Father, come live a lowly life, die a criminal's death, so that we could once again receive life, light, and fellowship with God. And so I just want to encourage you. Think on these few verses for the next couple of days. Dwell on them and just praise Jesus for who he is. Read the Gospel of John. Gives us a fresh glimpse of who Jesus is. And so to answer those two questions that I posed to you in the beginning, did Jesus exist before his birth 2,000 years ago? Yes, he was the Word. The Word was part in creation, and so he has always existed. The second one, was Jesus created? No. Jesus was not created. Look at verse 3 and listen. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So if he is the creator of all things, he was not created. Jesus has existed with the Father and with the Spirit for all of eternity, and he will never cease to exist because he is God, God is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. They all make up the Godhead, and eternally they have existed, and they always will exist. So rejoice in who Jesus is. Rejoice in what he's done for you because he did not have to come, die upon the cross to give us forgiveness of sin. So praise him today, pray to him today, read scripture today, and love him and worship him as, as he only deserves. That's what, we offer. That's what we ought to offer him is our worship, our adoration, our life's breath. We ought to praise him with every breath that we have because he has been so, so good to us. As always, have a great Friday and God bless. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the I Am Persuaded podcast, please consider subscribing and share with your friends. We pray this is a blessing in your life. God bless.